Welcome to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Get ready for the latest veterinary news, information and entertainment. Don't forget to visit us at the Vet Gurus website, vetgurus.com. Now, sit back, relax, it's over to the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Welcome to the Vet Gurus, Brendan here with Mark, episode 244, Friday, June the 3rd, 2022, and another week, Mark, and we've got lots of things to talk about, so I think we should get stuck into what we have been doing over the last week or so, and it's wet here, Mark, that's all I can say at the moment, it is wet here, and I, I think you've had a little bit of, a little bit of Inclement weather. weather. Inclement weather. Yes, we have indeed. We're, geez, we got our money's worth out of the intro that time as well. Yes, um, we have. We're, we're Kate and I are currently at Wilpena Pound in four hundred and fifty odd kilometres north of Adelaide in the deserts of South Australia. The back and of Burke, as we say here. Well, in Australia. and in the outback, <laughs> um, and it has. It's been um, cold. The warmest it got today was eight degrees, and um, and you know, uh, drizzly, windy, the up to fifty kilo of kilometers an hour, the wind. So, it's been um, not the most, certainly not sun baking weather. Let me put it that way, Brendan. Yes, and as we spoke about off air, I had similar sort of experience. It's wet down here in Melbourne, which it does get a bit wet and miserable in winter at times. But that's how it is in Melbourne. But I did have a few days off last week to head off to the first face-to-face Australian Veterinary Association conference, national conference, Mark, last week for three years, so since COVID commenced, and that was at the Gold Coast on in Queensland, so on the, on the beaches there near um, or in Surfers Paradise, which is a favourite place for people to go, isn't it, Surfers Paradise for, um, and the Gold Coast for people to retire to. I suppose it's analogous to the... Florida region, isn't it, for for the people in the US, our listeners there. So, um, And having said that, I'll tell you a bit of a story. My Uber driver back to the airport was, he was a day, not a day younger than 85, I reckon, at least. <laughs> and he did say to me that he used to live in Sydney and he worked in the shipyard in Sydney and then he retired to the Gold Coast for the weather. And that was 30 years ago, Mark, he said. He retired 30 years ago. So I reckon he was around about that age, but I was surprised that he still had his licence. So <laughs> um, I did give him a five-star review. He was very chatty, and we had a good, good little chat about things. But when I did arrive up at the Gold Coast for the conference, I... As you know, Mark, I was planning to spend half a day at one of the wildlife sanctuaries there to take some photos with my new lens for my camera. And I arrived at the Gold Coast, so it was absolutely pelting down, raining, torrential rain, and I still caught the Uber. Me being the eternal optimist, caught the Uber from the airport to the to the wildlife sanctuary or, or the zoo, and the zoo promptly closed after I arrived there and they really closed. Extreme yes, weather. Extreme weather. And they literally had an A-frame sign that they popped out front, so maybe it does happen a bit there. It said extreme weather event occur occurring, yes. So that was disappointing, but I did manage to sneak out it just before my flight back and, and also take some photos at a little local park 
to scratch the itch mark, mark, but it still wasn't what I was hoping. I was looking really looking forward to an afternoon at that zoo because it is a lovely zoo there. You got some so good th- ones though. You you showed me you sent me a couple of your uh, park um, park photos and, and <coughs> yes and um, the wood duck and uh, bush stone curlews. Yes, um, a, a good array of species and beautiful shots. Those <laughs> they they're funny. Because aren't they those stone curlers? They just they just sit there and pretend that you're not looking at them, and, <laughs> and they got these massive yellow eyes, and they um, that just keep keep they turn their head around and they stare directly at you, don't they? Um, but I don't know how I, I tried not to get too close to them, but they they didn't look like they were going to head take off and um, um, get spooked very easily. Um, I think there was a there was a um, little family there, those two youngsters there. I didn't send you the pictures of those um, that were with with one one or both of the parents, Mark. So, yeah, it was good fun. And the conference, we better get back onto veterinary things. It was very good. Caught up with a few friends, um, caught up with a vet who went through university that I hadn't seen for several years and also caught up with a couple of our sponsors here for the podcast. Doug from Microchips Australia had a, had a booth there, Mark, and he had a little Vet Gurus poster up. So he was plugging Vet Gurus to all and sundry who walked past and chatted to him and also oxbow australia specialized animal nutrition had a booth there so but it was it was good mark it was good just to get back to wandering around the huge exhibit with all the trade exhibits of all the um, drug companies and other companies there and also- i was worried i was very worried brendan that um the the attitude of people during the lockdowns and the um you know the online conferences that developed might signal the end of um face to face you know particularly those big national aba conferences um so i'm sort of a bit excited to hear that it went well because um yeah i was worried that it might be consigned to the annals of history rather than something we can look forward to in the um uh, annually, then, yes. Yeah. I, th- I think the main one will continue uh, at least for several years because it brings together multiple streams as well and I think that always has an advantage for people who they might pop into a small animal stream and then go to a behaviour lecture and then drop into the business one and etc. So it, it, it does provide flexibility for people or they might, might, might bring several staff members interested in different areas so yeah so no that was good it was, it was fun and then it was a pretty quick visit th- just three days um total and um back to work and back to the rain so i flew up to rain and then i flew back down and it was raining here and so yeah i think i caught half a day of a little bit of sunshine but there you go that's what i've been up to mark so i think i've got I have one quick review, Mark. Uh, Fire it off, Brendan. Let us know what you think about. It's something we've actually reviewed before, but I just want to mention again because it's something that we always use in exotic pet practice, and I'm just surprised at how few practices use these, and that's the plastic see-through drapes, Mark. Um, I was thinking again today I removed a nice satisfying tapeworm cyst out of a rabbit this morning mark and i thoroughly enjoy doing those we seem to get a fair few of them and 
the plastic drapes are invaluable um, for visualising the rest of the patient and the surgical site while you are performing your surgery. And they're damn cheap, you know, they're dirt cheap. I suppose the only negative is it is plastic and we're using up a little bit more plastic um, that we hopefully want to try and minimise in the world. But they are, they are fantastic. I, I can't praise them enough, Mark. And there's now, lots of now, different Brendan, brands was, of them as well. Yep. I was going to ask, um, we have talked about them before. Now, the, the ones you use, they have an adhesive quality to them, so they... no. No. <laughs> I, I have got some that do, do do that, but I rarely use those ones, actually. I just you know, use the normal plastic ones. And, and the disadvantage of those, is it is just using like a little bit of plastic wrap. Um, and the disadvantage is that and, um, fluid, etc., just sort of, you know, rolls around and rolls off it on, onto the floor or onto you if you're too close to the surgery table. Um, and I suppose that there might be some concern with uh, contributing to heat loss with the patient. But apart from that, uh, I mean, I just get the little square ones, the ones that I use 99% of the time, a li little square one that might be, say, you know, um, 30 centimetres or so um, square and then just make a little um, cut in the middle of it uh, of appropriate size for my fenestration and away we go. So they're disposable once once use. And you buy them in boxes, of, you know, 100 or 200. They definitely, they definitely make a huge difference in that you can see what's going on. There's nothing more frustrating, particularly with very little patients, than to be obstructed from the rest of the patient besides what you can see through your fenestration. And just yes. being having, you know, I even find I'm a much clumsier surgeon than you are, and I often find myself disoriented, um, you know, just because I've got a tiny window in a, in a, um, a, a um, opaque drape, um, I, I, focus on the bit I can see, but then when I need to orient myself with another part of the anatomy, it can be very difficult. And so I, like you, prefer the, the uh, um, uh, see-through drapes, the clear drapes that I can visualize the rest of the patient. And it makes it a little bit, not always, especially with small patients, um, the, our anaesthetist can't monitor things very easily through, um, you know, beneath the drape. Um, if it's opaque, and so they can see a little bit more about what's going on if the drape is see-through. I commend yep. them too, Brendan. What do you rate yes. them? I rate them, well, there's only one score, you know that, Mark, <laughs> 8.6 out of 10, um, without a doubt, and that's a very solid 8.6 out of 10, yes. Excellent. So I'm going to... Um, change things around mark i'm going to change things around <laughs> i've just decided on the fly we are not going to we we discussed our news items we had had a couple of really interesting ones we're not going to do them this week we're going to drop news items this week and i'll be very interested to see what our readers listeners think of this whether they think it's a good idea or a bad idea to not have the news items or maybe just occasionally not having news items so we're going to make this a very jump straight into our main topic mark um what do you think of that i know you're all good up for your news item you're very keen about your ones, but we'll cover it we'll cover it next week we'll cover all it good that's a good plan i like it excellent so our main topic is as you may realize from the title that pops up on your iphone or your android phone a load of crop so we well, we're not actually talking about 
birds per se. We're talking about crop needles and the use of them. So, and in specific terms, we're going to be listening very intently to Mark's tips on using a crop needle because you suggested this as a particular topic, didn't you, Mark? I did indeed. It's um, it's something that I think there are a couple of things just to be aware of, and that that um, help. It's a it's a technical skill, a, a hands focused mechanical skill, uh, but it's absolutely critical, particularly with birds. But as you hinted, these uh, instruments, these uh, tubes of stainless steel. Um, can be very useful in other circumstances as well. And, and of course, they have some um, drawbacks as well. So so it's good for us to have a yarn about them. I think so. So something, you know, that is used potentially every day in exotic pet practice and fairly frequently in practices that see unusual pets less frequently, Mark, and yet there's some very interesting points and tips about it, isn't it? So let's stick, get stuck into the use of them, that what they're well described for and that's for use in birds mark and and crop feeding birds so do you want to walk us through your thoughts on that and your tips and tricks of using crop needles in in birds and the process of crop feeding or or, or that's lots of different word names for it isn't it? <laughs> needling some people call it needling have you ever had that i've had i have uh, Clients saying that. What other um, gavaging, crop, crop, crop gavage, gavaging? Yep, um, tubing. Um, so, how do we do it, Mark? What's your tips? My tips are that you should do it first of all. I think it's it's such a, a useful exercise. But doing it, and and the more experience you get with it, the more confident you can be. So, I'm going to describe. Um, this is one of the things I really like about our podcast that we often try and describe things that really are visual in a in a verbal sense. So usually what I do with birds is hold them in my left hand using my first finger and second finger and the bird's back is against my palm. My first and second finger are against the bird's jaw, the mandible, from behind, and I extend the neck. This is one thing that's absolutely critical, um, that a bird with the normal, when they're at rest, their cervical vertebrae in an S shape, and the esophagus passes through that same S. And if you try and pass a crop needle down there, it'll just get banged up on the bend. Um, so extending the neck gently, and this is part of handling birds that you need to get a feel, like you don't want to overstretch the neck, but you want to know how far you can comfortably get the bird's neck straight, um, so then you can slide the needle down. Then, using my right hand um, to hold the crop needle, I slide it over the into the, the bird's mouth from the bird's left hand side, I roll it gently aimed at the back of the bird's head over the tongue, trying desperately to avoid the opening to the glottis, the opening to the airways, slide it down the esophagus and into the crop. Then I usually wet the feathers over the crop a little bit so that I can visualize the stainless steel tip of the needle through the skin touch it with my thumb, confirm it's in the crop and not in the trachea because obviously um, it's life-threateningly dangerous to instill a significant amount of food or medicine into the trachea of the birds. Um, and that action of rolling it over the tongue 
um, that's probably my first tip, making sure that it's the tip of the needle is never directed at the glottis um, is the you know safest thing to do. Excellent. And I think we should go back even one more step, man, Mark. And do you want to describe about um, what these, for those people that may have never seen a crop needle, that what attack you know what what is on one end and what is on the other end and there are different types of crop needles and most of them have a little almost like a ball on the tip of it that's going down into the crop there and also at the other end is a a little um, attachment where it will fit um, the standard sort of one mil three three mil a lure lure tip um, yes. that will fit um, syringes. So do you want to just briefly go through that as well? And I think that's where they got their na- name from. I think when people first started using them, they made them in the clinic. They got a little bit of um, solder. They dipped the sharp end of a needle into that to to give a bulb at the end, um, and the other end was your standard lure fit needle um stainless steel needle um of a significant bore um and then they were used but now there's commercial companies that uh that make them and and as you said they've got a lure fitting on the proximal end they've got a lovely stainless steel tube um sometimes with a little bend in it i find the bendy ones less useful but um it is just what you're used to and what your your um you know that what you're practically uh experienced at using some people really love the curved tips um i i find them uh, not so useful i also suggest that um you make sure that the tip the ball tip at the distal end of the needle is stainless steel there's a number of um less uh um, well-produced models that have a variety of other metals historically probably because they were made in-house. Um, but now you can yes. definitely get ones commercially made with uh, excellent stainless steel tips uh, that are very safe to use. And they're pretty damn affordable, aren't they? No, I think they're even for sale on places like eBay if you're at a pinch and you can't get them from your normal wholesalers or veterinary supplies. So that's yeah, what they, the case. What's, that's what they are, Mark. So one of the, any other tips as far as Get in that little crop needle tip down the esophagus there. And I struggle occasionally. Well, I struggle all my life, but I struggle occasionally trying to push that tip in the parrots where they've got that tongue there that they're trying to say, hey, get this bit of stainless steel out of my mouth, Mark. So what's your tips for getting the tip of the tip past that tongue? it is um, that rolling action. That you're exactly right. The muscular, round, well keratinized tongue of most parrots and cockatoos is very strong. And if you're uh, slow and and try to just slide it down directly, um, you will get into trouble as the bird presses against the roof of its mouth with its tongue. And I find that gently being prepared, having my hands set up to roll the syringe and crop needle, um, deceives the bird so that you can roll it over the tip of the tongue and push it just a little bit back down into the pharynx. Always, as I said before, gently making sure that ball tip is pressed against the dorsal and caudal surface of the pharynx which is directly away from the opening to the glottis, which is right behind the tongue. So 
just that rolling action seems to me to be the key. I do have some birds that I'll use some uh, either um, moisten the tip by dipping it in some warm water or even uh, depending on the species, I might use uh, something slippery like some uh, egg white um, to just mean that um, it's well lubricated and not likely to catch on any of the dry, dry structures in the, the uh, back of the mouth. Now, and you may have covered this a couple of minutes ago because I actually put myself on mute and headed out to let one of my dogs out because <laughs> Jez, Jez was getting a little bit um, restless then. I thought he was going to do something he shouldn't inside. Uh, the size of the crop needle mark, are there any sort of general recommendations? How do you select what's the correct size? Well, there are some lovely tables fortunately you can go online and um, many of the manufacturers have wonderful tables that um you know they're the gauge of their needle and its associated stainless steel tip will fit in but one of the things that um that i always say when i'm trying to teach people the use of a crop needle is that most birds have a surprisingly elastic esophagus and while their neck looks very you know very very thin once you stretch it out and take the feathers um, it it looks barely more than the vertebral column sometimes but the esophagus going down to the crop is quite distensible and the sword swallowing act you're forcing the bird to go through is far less stressful than um than the uh than it would initially appear by um trying to uh slide the the ball tip of those um, crop needles down. The other thing that's really important about size, Brendan, is while the gauge and the ball tip are important considerations, the length of them I find is much, much more important. And more than once I've been caught trying to use a gauge that I thought was maybe a little bit smaller and so less stressful on the bird. And then I find that the length of the crop needle is such yes. that the bird can hook their upper beak over the lure tip and apply their parrots so they've got strong beaks they apply just enough pressure to disconnect the twist on the lure tip and then bang the crop needle's gone down and then i've got all you know mm. bloody pain that was, in the, the that was my next question have you lost a crop needle in a bird yes <laughs> let me count the time <laughs> <laughs> But fortunately, I can report each time I've been able to get it back without <laughs> undue stress on the bird. Excellent. Now, I think we've just about done to death the actual types of crop needles. <laughs> I suppose the only other one, and again, you may have mentioned it when I nicked off for a sec, is what do you think of the curved crop needles? Well, I did mention that they are available, and I, I think that it is just literally a practical experience thing. I don't feel in my hands that they give me any yes. greater, um, you know, positioning. I was saying that um, avoiding the glottis is the critical thing, and I actually feel like it's a little bit harder to aim the tip of the needle away from the glottis when you've got a curved tip. Um, but um, but some people find them. Uh, very easy and um, and preferable to use. I just prefer the straight ones. I, it, my yep. uh, ability to image where the needle is going is enhanced by the simple uh, 
practicalities of a straight needle. Uh, you know, I can find it with my thumb when it's in the crop. Um, I can see it through the skin. And, um, and so I have a preference for the straight ones. Ditto, Mark, ditto. So any other tips for using the crop needles in birds? My other tip, the one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about this is dead space, Brendan, dead space. That um, when you are, particularly when you're making measurements of medications, it's very important to take into account the residue that's within the needle um, and either make sure that if you draw up a certain amount, draw it up into the needle, not into the syringe and then attach the needle. And if you draw it up into the needle um, attached to the syringe, then consider flushing the needle to get the last of the yes. medication out. Otherwise, you, particularly with small birds, um, even though you use a comparatively smaller crop needle, you can get massive dose mistakes, uh, usually an inadequate delivery. Um, and for the effort that you go to with crop, uh, inserting the crop needle, you want to make sure you get an adequate dose in. So just take into account that dead space and ensure that you flush the needle or arrange the, the volume so that you don't need to flush it. Um, and, uh, and that way dead space becomes not so much of an issue. Yes, and, uh, and an excellent part of that is, Mark, the dosing there that a lot of people think that we just use the crop needles for assistant feeding or supplemental feeding birds, but they are often used for medicating them because we know we're getting the exact amount of that particular product into the bird rather than trying to supply it via, you know, in food. Um, which is problematic, isn't it, Mark? So, yes. So other species, Mark. Now, we use these crop needles in other species for various um, reasons. Um, what sort of species do you commonly use crop needles in? Well, I was thinking about this when this topic came up, and um, I definitely use them in reptiles, um, and I also uh, frequently use them in other species as well and for other purposes. For um, So I was just thinking about, um, we were talking about, uh, some surgery on rabbits before we came to air and and it, there might be times when I would uh, use the relatively rigid nature of um, a crop needle to um, to facilitate entry into a site that I need to flush maybe um, you know some of the abscesses that rabbits have I might use a crop needle to get that into the correct position because I wouldn't feel that I could get always uh, a flexible tube a, a red rubber tube or a, a, um, a, a catheter uh, yes. tip. Uh, um, I couldn't get that into the right spot so a lot of small crop needles and particularly because they have that rounded tip i'm un, unlikely to poke it through something if i'm not uh, too vigorous um then then it's a useful thing in those circumstances i definitely use them to feed reptiles brendan and um and i the key thing i've got to to mention with when i use them to feed reptiles is gags um that definitely i worry about my lizards or turtles biting down on the the uh the stainless steel tube and damaging the teeth or beak um, in such a way that um, that causes more problems. And so some form of uh, soft gag in the commissure of the jaws so that um, they can't close down too hard on that, uh, that crop needle 
um, facilitates the use of them to deliver food to um, to some of our reptile patients. Yes. Well, no surprise here, Mark, that I do the same. I use them frequently in the reptiles. And even with snakes, um, where it may be a smallish snake and I'm not snake and I am feeding it or dispensing some medication, typically a supplemental feed, into the esophagus or distal esophagus of that snake, Mark, um, if I don't have a, an appropriate red rubber tube for them as well. Um, well, the beauty of them with snakes is that, um, oh, crikeys, I don't know how many times I've jagged a red rubber tube on the fangs. Yes, and yes, the, yes. the way there, then I've got to slide it back in and use a Q-tip to just push the fang out of the way, whereas the stainless steel tube allows you to get you know, you're not going to get into the stomach, but like you said, maybe a third of the way down the esophagus in a small state snake, um, and you deliver the medication, use gravity to let it trickle down to the stomach by holding the snake in the appropriate position, um, and you don't jag your crop needle yep. on those fangs on the way out. Yes. I must admit, in bearded dragons these days, I, I do not use a crop needle. I use a one mil or a three mil syringe. And that can easy, even a three mil syringe, you can virtually get down to the stomach in, in an adult bearded dragons. And the, I find the beauty of that, if they do chomp down on it, that there is some give in it and it's not going to cause any damage as well. So other, do, do we sterilise these crop needles, Mark, before you're feeding a bird, for instance? Say if your crop feeding, supplemental feeding a, a, a juvenile bird, a young bird, would you, a fledgling, whatever. Um, do you sterilise the food there, Mark, or not? Uh, the, the, definitely. The needle? The needle? Definitely. Yeah. Um, definitely, definitely, definitely. And um, the, So the what are we thing... worrying about if we're <laughs> tubing a bird, then we're giving it a quick rinse and then we're tubing another bird with it? We're worried about chlamydia and viruses um and you know the 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 worst thing that could happen um particularly to a practice that's trying to build a an avian clientele um is the potential for a, a young bird particularly some of the expensive uh, cockatoos and macaws to come in need uh, crop feeding and then end up with one of the uh infectious viral diseases um, and, uh, you know, beacon feather disease stands out amongst those. And I think the key thing there is that you and I both know that it's unlikely um, a normally cleaned tip is unlikely to be the the um, source of that problem, uh, an un, uh, normally cleaned uh, crop needle. Yes. But... If you can say each one of those crop needles has been through the autoclave and is sterile before we use it, it's an absolute guarantee that uh, any bird that subsequently comes down with one of those diseases did not get it through that process at the hospital. So we always make sure we put the clean the crop needles thoroughly. It is a little bit of a, a an important thing. They if I'm notorious for this, I do a big feed. Have, be proud of myself that I've fed all the birds and done all the jobs, got the medication right, then leave the crop needles for half an hour and then they get caked, dried out, food concreted in them and it makes for extra work to clean them out. And so to keep the support personnel, the vet nurses happy, make sure that you always immediately 
got the bird back in the cage, you flush that crop needle, clear it of all medication or food, um, just using tap water maybe, um, then uh, give them a rinse in a suitable antiseptic. F10 is of course our choice. Um, and, uh, and then um, there's no problem with uh, autoclaving them. You'd never want them to be autoclaved with some dried gungy food in there, Brendan. Well, that's a very thorough answer there, Mark. Well done, as usual. <laughs> You've covered everything there. Uh, so <laughs> other uses, you wanted to talk about potentially some other uses of crop needle apart from the obvious and the, I think you've already mentioned the, the main one there is is using it as a as an entry point for for surgical sites for flushing etc. Are there anything else that you wanted? Yeah, to definitely, point out? definitely. Um, uh, while we would very regularly um, use some of the soft silicon or soft rubber tubes for cloacal flushes, um, there definitely are times where the more rigid nature of a uh, crop needle would be a very useful um, uh, uh, way to access that opposite end of the the uh, digestive tract. Um, and certainly we've had times when uh, in birds we've had to, because we're trying to get something into a specific location. So for example, if we had a um, an egg within the oviduct rupture in a bird and then yolk is all um, uh, run out and we want to flush that oviduct gently to clear the residue of the damaged, damaged egg from the oviduct, um, using something rigid to gain access through the vaginal opening in the cloaca is that little bit easier. So the rigidity of the crop needle, the rounded end, the ability to have it sterile um, does provide us with a, a, uh, a tool that can be used to access those locations and provide a, uh, a, a flush. Also, Brendan, I find that when I use it as a, um, uh, uh, you know, we stick it in the crop and we'll often use the crop needle to aspirate the contents of the crop, not just deliver stuff there. Yes. Um, and that can be a very useful diagnostic uh, um, tool to get a sample, uh, you know, to deliver a, a mill of sterile saline and harvest a little bit back with um, the contents of the crop. Um, and that can be very useful. But um, just even the tip, particularly if the crop needle hasn't been contaminated by the contents of the cloaca or the the um, oral cavity um, where it's the, even just smearing the tip of the crop needle onto a slide and having a look at that can be very useful diagnostic information. Excellent tip and heading back to the other end of the animal I certainly use it frequently similar to what you're mentioning birds I presume there in the cloacal region for snakes mark um, to to flush that region and even occasionally when we have those prolapses in reptiles I find it one of those large crop needles with that ball on the end is is very handy for helping reduce that prolapse cloacal region um, one of the tips when I'm doing that Brendan that I've often say to new players is that I never hold the crop needle by in such a way where my fingers over the end of it I always hold it um, between my fingers if that makes sense so I don't hold it with my index finger covering the the uh, open end or at the end of the syringe 
um, yep. because it can't then slide through your hand. If you gently slide it into a spot and there is some obstruction and you're going to do damage by pushing it, if you hold it between your fingers longitudinally, then, you know, it'll slide. It, you can't. It's much harder to drive it through than if you've got your finger on the end of it pushing it. Um, and I think it's always just because it is so rigid, um, a, a stainless steel tube, that if you're just not gentle with them you can do yes. damage they're yes. magic tools but you have to be gentle with them it's the equivalent of when you're taught using um dental elevators and extractors you know when we're, we're not using super force with them we're trying to push the tooth out not you know not um not um push it through the jaw of the jaw of the dog or the cat if you know what i mean it's a good uh, analogy uh, yes they, they, yeah, those rigid tools yes, whether they be yes. dental or they, they very just careful. need a gentle yes. hand yes and i remember one day i was pinning a cat's leg very early on in my career mark with the old um femoral um straight femoral fracture um a simple simple fracture of the femur and with that sort of retrograde pin in there and I put the pin right through my other hand um, through the through the um, palm of my hand because you know how you sort of hold yep. one pin so you quickly learn don't you to um, make sure that you keep your other free hand out of the way that you're not pushing that you know dental elevator through through into your finger or your hand which a lot of people tend to do when they slip um, and and not using too much force with with some of these instruments. Um, the only other the, a couple of uses that I've had for these crop needles, Mark, is believe it or not, I've occasionally used one on some very large snakes as a method for probing, Mark, for sex identification when I don't have a probe that's that's big enough diameter. An excellent use, Brendan, an outstanding use. They they actually look like the sorts of probes that you would use with a snake, except they've got a hollow space down the middle yep. of them and yep. and they do serve the purpose perfectly. So the you know, so next time you have a anaconda coming in, Mark, so you know what to pick up and use. And the final use that I've had for them, they make excellent cocktail stirrers. Have you found that? <laughs> They're absolutely brilliant, um, and they're a conversation piece as well. Um, so next time you come around, I'll make you a I'll make you a Singapore sling, Mark, and um, you can stir it a bit with a with a crop needle. I can use it as a straw afterwards. <laughs> you can too. <laughs> um, you can too. We just need to put a little a little um, what do you call it what, uh, umbrella um, on the t- on the top of it, and we'll be right. Any final? <laughs> comments or thoughts mark on using crop needles and who would have thought that we'd be talking for 30 minutes on the use of a crop needle (laughs) no we've covered it all brendan well done excellent we'll talk to you all next week thanks for listening thanks for listening to the vet podcast by the vet gurus Don't forget to visit us at the website, vetgurus.com, where you can subscribe, view show notes, listen to previous episodes and more. You can contact us via email at vetgurus at gmail.com to ask a question or just say hi. Thanks again and see you next time.